Welcome to the Inside Carolina Podcast. It is Sunday morning. That means it's the day after. Sponsored by Johnny T-Shirt, johnnytshirt.com. With the day after InsideCarolina.com podcast comes Buck Sanders and Jason Staples. Carolina, sort of a ho-hum game over Wofford, uh, Buck. Some good came out of it. Um, some ugly came out of it. and Some bad came out of it. But the bottom line is Carolina won the game to get bowl eligible, and that's what Mac Brown wanted to key on in the postgame. Yeah, that's all uh, accurate there, Tommy. The, the things that we'll end up reading the most on the message boards is about the defense giving up 200 yards rushing, which it's an option team. We can talk about that some. Um, and the fact that the quarterbacks obviously are going to be a big topic. So we'll, we'll teach touch on that. Um, and, you know, I kind of miss the, the, the fedora days when uh, we dropped 70 on these teams uh, instead of uh being content with a 20 point win, but you know, Did I just hear you say you miss the fedora days, uh, the scores against FCS teams. Yeah. In, uh-huh. in that regard. Yeah. Uh-huh. That's one piece, you know, just one piece. What in the uniforms with the black numbers and the, uh, the blue, black. Okay. Y'all, okay. Y'all can just get off of that now. <laughs> Jason, uh, Carolina wins by 20. Um, I think we need to start with the quarterbacks and uh, let, let's go ahead and deep dive into those. Chris Well got his first start. He played the first half. Drake May got the second half. Uh, 11 for 19, 125 for Chris Well, 7 for 9, 89, and a touchdown for May. Um, I know what my naked eye saw, um, and but I wanted to get somebody with a little bit better expertise at it. What did you see from both guys? Saw a lot of promise, really, from both guys. I mean, I, I did think it was pretty evident that Criswell is a, uh, a, a a faster athlete and a more um, uh, a more ready dual threat type guy. Uh, I thought Criswell also, you know, the ball kind of pops off his hand just a little bit more in terms of when he throws it. You you see. You know, he can kind of, he can kind of, uh, I mean, there, there, there were some throws that he made that the ball got there quicker than I think it would with Howell. Uh, but at the same point, I thought May looked, looked like he had more of what I call hand talent, where uh, you can change speeds with the ball, a little bit more touch, and uh, just overall you know, basically where, where the ball's located on some things. I thought, uh, I thought May's location as a thrower was, was a little better. So it's a little bit of a mixed bag there, but I thought both guys, I mean, I, I came out of it going, well, you know, they can win with these, with either one of these guys going forward. So, so that's a good thing. Um, I think uh, by and large, uh, you know, this was, this was a positive uh, a positive outcome for both quarterbacks. I felt pretty comfortable with what I saw. But one thing that Chris Well talked about, and it was 
pretty obvious in the game is he missed a couple throws that you just can't miss. Now I'll chalk it up to being uh, a little nervy um, first game or whatever, but it sort of reminded me of um, in recent past of, of Queese his early in his early days where he couldn't hit the easy throw. I um, mean, really struggled with the swing passes and all that. As far as that goes, I thought May looked a little better. I do agree with Jason that um, Chriswell's ball, the passes had more pop to them. But um, your overall take on the two guys, I, I think it's pretty clear to expect Sam Howe to play on Friday and maybe the bowl game, which we can discuss that down the road. But uh, going into an NC State game, Carolina, if without Howe, we'll need both of these guys. What do you think of each one of them? I think that uh, with uh, with Chris Well, the thing that, you know, I agree with what Jason had to say. Boy, is he tired, too. Look at Jason. Uh, <laughs> he's about to pass out down there. Uh, the, the one thing about Longo's offense uh, that is sort of mandatory for a quarterback, you got to hit the deep ball. Mm-hmm. You know, you got to connect on that deep ball. And um, – Chris Wells longest throw yesterday was 23 yards and it's not as though he didn't attempt other long throws. He just missed them. And, and on the long balls, it looked like he just overthrew them. Maybe that's excitement. Maybe, uh, that's really not, uh, representative of what he can, he's capable of doing, but, uh, that's one thing to look at moving forward is. Um, does Chris will have the long ball? Cause if you don't have the long ball, can't drop it in a bucket about 40 yards out there. It's going to be tough to play for Phil Longo. Um, I thought that, uh, Chris will made some, uh, good decisions that, uh, extended plays. There was one, uh, particular play. They were deep in the, in on their side of the field. I think maybe around the 10 or so. And it looked like he was about to get sacked and he rolled out to his right and hit Garrett Walston downfield. Or was it Garrett yeah, it was Walston? A heck of a throw. Yeah, that was Garrett Walston. Yeah, and that was uh, a heck of a throw. And, uh, you know, pushed him about 20 yards upfield rather than minus whatever it was going to be if he had to take the sack. So uh, that was some good. Uh, I was uh, cheering pretty loud when I, when I, saw that I said, yeah, that's, that's something that you want to see from your quarterback is the ability to, to extend the play and, uh, you know, to do sort of a makeup there on the, on the fly as opposed to, uh, you know, a script play. So, uh, and both of them looked like they were pretty comfortable running the ball. I think Chris will probably did it a little bit more, um, because he needed to at times where I think most of what um, Drake May did was uh, design uh, delay uh, runs. They both ran the ball pretty well, but it's Wofford. You know, anybody could have run the ball well there. Uh, I, I won't say that I could, but maybe Jason could have, you know, gotten 100 yards yesterday. Um, so, you know, that, that's kind of where I'm at. And, and the, uh, Mac mentioned it actually in his, uh, post-game presser that, um, Drake may made a pretty impressive throw, you know, all the way across, uh, the field, 
Uh, and you know, that made a difficult throw. Like we've talked, Jason and I and Tommy, we've all talked about before is one of the things that uh, makes for a great uh, quarterback is the ability to make any throw and uh, being able to go all the way across the field um, and uh, on a quick release. And, and, uh, and Mac used all these terms to say, well, it was a quick release. He threw it like a dart. It was all the way across the field. Those are things that coaches are going to pick up on, uh, that ability to make all throw. And, and to Tommy's point last week, I think there was, uh, several times where both of them failed to make the easy throw. Although we could have some argument about that. I've always thought of that, uh, hitting the tailback, you know, uh, just as he's, you know, about to the line of scrimmage, uh, that would be an easy throw. The one that Marquise Williams threw in the dirt like a hundred times. Mm-hmm. Uh, but apparently that's not the easiest throw in the world. Uh, and, and I kind of get that cause they're moving laterally, not horizontally. And that makes it a little bit harder. If you ever done any skeet shooting, you would figure that out too. So, um, but anyway, that's kind of what I thought about the quarterbacks. Yeah. I love the skeet shooting reference. I mean, you got to lead them and not only, are they those swing passes? They're running away from you, and um, all of that. So, but yeah, it, I liked what I saw from both of them. Uh, the 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 missed, you know, throwing it. I think Sean Drawn mentioned it in the post game with Ross, the throwing it way over somebody's head when they're open and all. But uh, you know, it's it's tough. You mentioned this Wofford. It, it's Wofford. Um, and it's, but it's a small sample size. And Jason, I wanted to ask you just holistically um, the importance of getting guys reps in a real game, even if it is, quote, just Wofford. Um, I mean, it matters a ton for these guys to get live action, no matter who the opponent is, as long as they're not wearing the same color jersey as you are um, in practice or whatever. So, so from that regard, successful day for North Carolina? No, I, I don't think it was a su- successful day at all because, you know, it started from, from the first play, the number one goal of this game was out of the, out, out of the, um, out of the question. I mean, the, the number one goal of these games, when you play an FCS team, aside from just obviously make sure you don't lose, you know, <clears throat> Florida state, Jacksonville state, for example, you don't want that. That's your number one goal. But aside from that, I mean, just presuming you win the game, your number one goal is make it out without any injuries, without any key injuries, especially. So, no, I don't, I don't think the game was a success in a lot of respects, largely because of that, that play, because you lose a, a key guy and, you know, in a way that isn't, isn't ideal. So, you know, from the quarterback perspective, I think overall, sure. Which is kind of really to your your bigger point, but uh, that it was you know a re- it was a successful enough day from a quarterback perspective, but from a from an overall team perspective, I I think they left this game going, dang, you know this this could have been better, <laughs> it could have been a lot better. You you mentioned the injury. I mean. Uh- I think it's pretty obvious that Connolly will be gone. I want to talk about him in the second half of the show um, when we talk about the defense, and that'll be coming up here shortly. But let me ask you both about um, 
about the running game for North Carolina. I want to ask about the running game, and I want to, to package it in on the fourth down deal in the end zone or down at the goal line, um, blue zone in. Buck, I, I must admit, I was a little shocked that Carolina could not get it in down there from that close. That, that's been an issue forever. Um, and I think the, the discussion was whether there were backups and this and that, but that's been a problem save the Javante Williams um, success last season. What were you thinking watching that situation unfold down there? I think they got, what, three, four, four shots at it? Even though I always thought defensive holding was automatic first down, but I digress there. Um, I, I was really, really surprised that Carolina didn't have success against Wofford at the goal line. You know, Tommy, I think it, it goes to show you that when you get in those situations on the goal line and uh, you're trying to get the ball in one or two yards out, uh, effort, want to, uh, determination uh, matters. And Wofford had it, and North Carolina didn't. Wofford was determined to keep North Carolina out of the end zone, and North Carolina just didn't have the same kind of, well, you need to do this attitude. Um, and you see that, uh, played out and you've seen it play out, uh, several times this year, third and one, second and one, uh, fourth and one, uh, where the UC offense just doesn't have, um, that guy or a couple of guys on the offensive line that are, Hey, we're going to, you know, push the. You know, the line of scrimmage forward about three yards, just go behind us and we'll be okay. Um, so, I mean, that's where I'm at. I just think that just tells you that attitude and want to means a lot in those short yardage situations. Indeed it does. Uh, Jason, Drake throws the ball to J.J. Jones, 46 yards down to the five. Uh, Caleb Hood, four yards to the one. Caleb Hood, none. Caleb Hood, none. Drake May sacked on two-yard loss. I think that's when they called. Well, it says offsides here, but I thought they, they signaled no, it was, defensive hold. It, it was offsides. Okay, so offsides. So Carolina gets another shot out. Caleb Hood, nothing, or, or lost a yard. Um, speak to that. I, I mean, they went under center, which we haven't seen them do hardly at all, and they still couldn't get it done. Um, what's it tell you, one way or another? First of all, I agree with Buck that, on both sides of the ball, goal line is a, a mentality before it's anything else. And, and, you know, that was a, that was a big point of emphasis in my day, you know, where I played, we, that was our coaches constantly emphasized that mentality. And I mean, we had practices where you would do 20 minutes on the goal line live first, you know, good on good and twos on twos going live on the goal line for the full practice because for, you know, 20 minutes in a practice, which, you know, you're not going to get now, but just because of how physical that is. But the whole point is we're going to be a physical football team. And when it gets down here, we're going to learn how to fight because what would happen is every time the offense scored, the defense was going to have to run after. And nobody wants to run. And nobody wants to run, especially after that kind of physical situation. 
And then every time the offense failed, the offense was going to have to run. And that was our, that was our rule. So, I mean, when you got down on the goal line, it was war. And that mentality of building that mentality was really important. And I've said this for what, three years now, actually longer than that, because I mean, I thought uh, during the, during the Fedora era as well, that they didn't have that mentality on the goal line. I mean, Carolina's had trouble, uh, you know, in some of these tight spaces at times going back to, you know, Marquise Williams and pre Marquise Williams. I mean, even when you remember back in the, I think it was Marquise's first year as a starter, they still had trouble on the goal line with him at quarterback. And that's a guy that you should be able to have a pretty good success rate at the quarterback position, but the mentality wasn't there. And some of that's, some of that's also a little bit of play calling. You can argue with some of that stuff, but I really do think a lot of it's just, just mentality and just dog cuss stubbornness that you've got to have to say, Nope, not going to be stopped. And that that's a revealing sequence about mentality there. So I, I think, first of all, I agree with Buck on that. Second of all, You know, I do think that in a in another game against a non-Wofford team, they're probably going to the play calling sequence down there is probably going to be a little different. I think they were trying to use this as a, you know, we're going to we're going to show some physicality on this Wofford team. And, well, that didn't work. We're going to do it again because we're going to make it work. And guys just do it. And then, whoop, (laughs) stuffed again. And, you know, at a certain point, they they were they were going to they were willing, knowing they weren't going to lose that game. They were willing to try to make that into a into that kind of scenario. And and the offense failed on it. And, you know, I think that's going to be a point of emphasis this week in terms of what they're going to talk about. I don't know what they're going to I don't know whether they're going to rep it all that much, because, I mean, this point in the season, you don't want to do that all that all that often right before a, a, a um, rivalry game to have that be the moment when you're going to in practice do, you know, 20 minutes of goal line, but uh, yeah, I think more than anything, it's mentality. Uh, and it's, this was up front. I mean, you brought up uh, uh, Javante Williams had Javante Williams been there. I don't think he'd have scored because of how quick the, uh, the penetration was. And, you know, there, there's a lot to be said for building that into your program DNA in the off season a bit more. And, you know, in the in preseason camp a bit more so that, you know, you you feel pretty comfortable when it comes down to, you know, you've got to get a foot or you got to get two feet. You're going to get it. And that's something that I think in postseason self-scout that Mac Brown and the staff are going to have to get together and say, OK, defensively, there's been times where not not good enough on the goal line and in short yardage offensively certainly certainly times where you know that that kind of mentality is not there there's going to have to be a point of emphasis in the offseason i mean spring and, and camp next year they're going to have to you know if i'm self-scouting that's going to be something that i'm going to try to build in a little bit more you know the uh the first several snaps or the showing it from the snap all four downs or that sequence uh is something that Defensive meetings from now till, you know, the cows come home. I'm showing that defensive sequence to the, in team meetings. This is what not doing it right 
looks, I mean, in offensive meetings, this is what not doing it right, not having the right mentality. This is where it's going to get you. And that's losing the ball on downs. Um, and so I think this was a teaching moment, really. They didn't change the play at all on all their attempts. They just said, hey, we're going to line up and punch it in. And we either are or we're not. But this film cut up is going to be, you know, in the film library and shown to every, you know, offensive line group we have is that when you get down there, you got the, you know, the, the old Clint Eastwood expression, you got to get mean, you got to get junkyard dog mean or whatever that, uh, expression is that he used so much, but, uh, that's what it takes. And, uh, of course, as Jason said, they could have changed the play. They could have done a rollout, you know, in fact, they did change the play once and, uh, uh Third tight end yeah. got, yeah, got held. But, uh, you know, that this is, you know, I think when they went for it that final time and lost it on downs, uh, Mac Brown had already determined that, Hey, if, if we get in, that's great. If we don't get in, that might be even better because, because, <laughs> cause we're not gonna, uh, you know, show a series where we score a touchdown on Wofford to the offensive line from one yard out ever again, but we'll show getting stopped on downs many, many times from here on out. Well, I'd play it on loop the broadcast version of it. I'd play it on loop in the weight, in the weight room at different points all off season. Yeah. I mean, once upon a time or in the big time football programs, it's like, we've got a yard to get, we're getting it no matter what. And I mean, if you look right after that, Wofford had a fourth and two, um, right there on the 10, 12 yard line right after that and got it easily. Um, and I understand they were subs out there or whatever, but yeah, it's the mentality. And that, that is, if I had to pick one area of concern over the last 10 years of Carolina football, go back further than that if you want, but yeah, you're right. Yeah, absolutely. One area of concern for a long period of time is can you man up? Can you, uh, get a foot or a yard when you needed it. And, uh, well, I mean, that's been the outsiders, uh, take on Carolina, take on Carolina since the nineties, at least is, well, you know, they got talent They're and you know, they're, they're, they're really good, but they're a little, soft. they look good coming off the bus. They look good coming off the bus. They've got some, ta- they've got some skilled players here and there. They can really cover in the secondary, you know, they got some dudes that'll play in the NFL, but they're soft. If you hit them, they, 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 they don't like getting hit. That's been the book on North Carolina since the nineties. Yeah. And that's something that, again, I know Mac is, is, is going out of his way by and large to, to, to change that, that narrative, but I think they've got to sell out this, this off season to say, and, and I mean, I think they've made big progress there, but they got to sell out this offseason to get this 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 program to where nobody's ever going to say this program's soft ever again. We're going to have guys. We're going to have guys that are going to fight you on the field between the whistle, <laughs> um, between you know, uh, but once the, between the snap and the whistle to show that this is not going to be a soft team, and you've got to instill that into your program. And, yeah. and, you know, in his press conference, Mac said something like, 
well, this was Wofford next week. North Carolina is going to have a lot more energy against NC State than they are than they had against Wofford. I I don't like hearing that. You know, nope. uh, um, I I'd like to hear we're going to bring the same amount of energy regardless of who it is every single time, even if it's because, a bit of a lie. <laughs> even if it's a bit of a lie, you 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 you. I mean, because if you do that for Wofford and say, okay, well, it's Wofford, we didn't bring the same amount of energy for this team then it's a matter of uh, relativity, right? I mean, so you're not going to bring the same amount of energy against Florida State as you would against Notre Dame or the same amount of energy against Georgia Tech as you would Pittsburgh. And I don't think you can do that and be successful. I mean, you, you've got to say, hey, you know, we're going to give everybody our best shot every time we line up, you know, so um, now it might be difficult to get the team to buy into that every single time, but for the co- head coach to say it, I, I, I wasn't a fan of that. Um, so, and, and if they play with the same energy against NC state as they did against Wofford, they're going to get killed. They will get eaten alive. If they go over to Raleigh and play with the same energy they played against, uh, at home yesterday against Wofford. Well, that's part of the, the ultimate program building is getting them to do that. And is why they can go out and lose to bad teams like they've done the last three years um and and forever really um and then beat fairly good teams or be competitive against fairly good teams it's a mindset and that's yeah i agree with you when he said that i was like hey no you got to come out and smash people no matter who's across the board um easier said than done but at least that needs to be the standard that everybody talks about it's playing to the standard let me take a short break talk about johnny t-shirt johnny t-shirt.com sponsors mm-hmm. of the biz podcast and then a great friends look it would have been a great day to have a lot of johnny t-shirt gear in chapel Hill yesterday especially in the morning because it was cold and they have all the gear you need cold weather gear they've got all the football and basketball stuff you need and they've got great tailgating gear and home gating gear for you you can get anything you need for christmas they're having tons of sales you need to sign up for their email list and get in on the sales um, it is a wonderful opportunity to take care of the carolina fan in your life they are sponsors therefore they give 10 percent off to inside carolina premium subscribers and you can't beat the deal let the national guys pay the bills we'll be right back the day after carolina 34 wofford 14 defensive talk when we come back after the break Hey guys, this is Ross Martin from Inside Carolina. And I want to talk to you about Inside Carolina's new podcast sponsor. It's Blue Shark Vodka. Blue Shark Vodka is a family-owned vodka company based out of Wilmington and Wrightsville, North Carolina. It's available in all 100 counties. And the thing about Blue Shark Vodka is it's the smoothest vodka in the world. It's made with sweet North Carolina corn to create the world's smoothest vodka. It's been distilled four times and then mellowed for 28 days to create that full blooming and awaking flavor each batch is in triple filtered giving it a smooth clean finish and eliminates any of the alcohol bite guys i've been using it recently with some soda water fruit juice little lime juice it's great for tailgates it's light it's smooth and it's an award-winning premium vodka from north carolina local and family owned and it's available once again in all 100 counties so head to your local abc store to check out blue shark vodka all right, Buck and Jason, let's talk about the defense. Uh, Jason, you mentioned why this game was not a success, losing a guy like Conley on the first play. 
of the game, um, what looked like not a good potential lower body injury. Um, a couple other guys were banged up, but Buck, this defense, um, I felt like option team, yes, but I felt like kind of what we just talked about before the break, the, the mindset of we're stopping you no matter what really wasn't there the entire game. Some guys made some good plays. Uh, Matt referenced the turnover they got. But what did you see from the defensive side? I do like that they played a, a bunch of young guys um, out there. Um, but it was just kind of a, a meh performance, if I had to be, uh, be honest with it. I think every game this year that we've watched, um, you have seen moments in the game where you see uh, one player and you say, wow, this guy can really play. You know, he, he's a monster. Um, and not the same guy. I mean, like four or five different guys or even more than that will make a play in and you'll be shocked at how good they are. Maybe not shocked because you know what the recruiting rankings were and, and all that. But um, at the same time, you look at the box score at the end of the game and they've given up, you know, 200 yards rushing which they gave up to Wofford. Now they're, they're an awesome team and we've heard excuses and, um, that they didn't really concentrate on, uh, practicing for the option because they were, uh, spending their time getting ready for NC state. And, and I can, you know, I ended that a little bit, but, um, you know, I'd like to see some of these guys, put it together as a team, you know, as 11 guys, everybody selling out to, um, stop the run or, you know, whatever the play happens to be. Uh, and I don't think we're seeing that. I think we're seeing maybe 60 to 75% of the players that are, uh, selling out on, on every play. So that's my take. Jason, is it concerning? 209 yards what can what looking at it um if i can find the stats right here uh average yards per rush for wofford 4.6 almost five um they got yards when they needed them tell me the good from the defense knowing that they gave up 209 to wofford on the ground well i mean the good is that you gave up 14 points and largely controlled the game. I mean, you gave up more in the, on the ground than, than what you wanted overall. But, I mean, I think it is true that they spent more time, you know, or spent less time on, you know, really aiming to stop Wofford and, you know, smother everything that they had than they did on trying to get some guys in the game and, uh, you know, making sure that they didn't give up a ton of points. And when it came down to it, Wofford scored twice. And that was never a competitive game. I mean, you know, they were never, there was never any doubt of who was going to win this game from, you know, first quarter on. Because ultimately you knew, okay, the defense is getting stops and that's that. Now they let the, they let Wofford hold the ball and move the ball more than you want. But I mean, they, they basically did their job getting stops. So there, there's your positive. But again, I, I agree with both of you that the, 
overall mentality of just the overall pride of, I don't care who it is. You're, you're waffer, like, you know, this is an insult that you scored against me, against us. And there, there was a little bit of that in this game that I just thought overall, again, was lacking of that mentality of uh, championship teams take it as an insult that a team even thinks that they can score against them. Now, again, it's a different era of football. So, you know, championship teams are giving up 40 points against really good teams. But that doesn't mean that that mindset changes. And, you know, I, I still would like to see more of that. And, and that's the thing that I think is still, is still largely missing. Uh, there were, you know, there were some little gap issues here and there, especially with the younger linebackers, you know, different things that can be cleaned up. But that's why, you, that's why they play. That's why you want them to play more than they have this year. Uh, so that they can get some opportunities to to clean some of that stuff up. So, you know, I thought overall on that for that side of things, it was positive to be able to get a chance to see some of those guys and to to see them work uh, and and have some things on film that they can correct. But I mean, I just thought it was a kind of overall ho hum blah blah <laughs> defensive performance from the mentality to the results, and you know, that is what it is. Yep, let's wrap it up here. Carolina wins, gets bowl eligible, got State in Raleigh on Friday night. Um, I'll be over there in Carter-Finley. I can't imagine the atmosphere, especially if Wake Forest manages to lose to Boston College and State is playing for the Atlantic Division berth into the championship game. Um, it will be quite insane. Buck, your thoughts heading into that one. I can't believe the 2021 season has two games left. Um, it has absolutely flown past um, your thoughts on Carolina going to state on Friday before we get out of here. Well, uh, the one thing we've already talked about, which is uh, men mentality and effort and uh, being up for the game because NC state's going to be, I have no question about that. Uh, those guys are going to be ready to play. They're going to come out of the tunnel with their hair on fire. And if North Carolina doesn't match that energy, from the get-go, uh, they could be playing from behind a curve all night long, and, and that's not a good recipe for North Carolina. Um, you know, I'd like to see uh, Sam Howell go out on a good note. Um, you know, he deserves that. Uh, certainly, uh, I, I don't think that most North Carolina – well, I, I, maybe I'm misjudging that, but North Carolina fans certainly ought to really appreciate what they've been able to see these past three years from Sam Howe. Um, so other than that, um, I would like to see Anton green, have a good game. Uh, that was a great, um, piece of news that Mac Brown had yesterday, uh, had at his post game presser when he said, uh, Antoine's already said he's coming back. It's a hundred percent. So that's a good piece of news right there. JJ Jones looking really good was a good piece of news. Um, so those things are helpful, especially when, uh, next year you're going to have a new QB on the center. I, I, 
I hope to see a competitive game. I hope to see one that North Carolina goes into in the last uh, 10 minutes, nine minutes uh, with a chance to win. I hope they pull it out. But, you know, that they're going to have to start drinking some Red Bull, maybe harken back to the, the uh, Fedora era there um, and get ready for this game and make sure that they realize what this game means um, to North Carolina fans. I'm sure Mac Brown will instill that. He's pretty good at that and pretty good at not losing to in-state teams. But this is a very important game. I, it may be. Now, I'm going to channel Tommy Ashley a little bit here. It may be the most uh, must-win game for a uh, five and six or six or five team in Carolina history, uh, in my way of thinking. That isn't that just like uh, Tommy Ashley there, Jason? That that's- I'm just surprised you were the one to say it, and not Tommy. That this is a must-win, but um, and, and I, you know, this is where I think. By the way, the one other thing about the the stop and the run that I didn't say about uh, about. Wofford is that I think a big factor of that is that they didn't have one of their key run stoppers on the edge and that being Conley from game one or from, from play one, that's a concern for me against state because he's been a physical enforcer on this team. You know, he's been a guy that has set the tone physically at times on we're going to be that team that punches you in the mouth. I mean, he brings kind of a nasty approach and somebody's going to have to fill that void against NC state and say, no, we're going to be the aggressors in this game. Somebody's going to have to step into that role and, and basically say, we're going to be the ones that, that, that are going to hit you. That's what I want to see. And, you know, Buck, you say, you know, you want to see a competitive game going into the fourth quarter or whatever. I'm not interested in that. I mean, if I'm, if I'm on, the, on the Carolina coaching staff, I don't want it to be competitive going to the fourth quarter. I want to be up by 14, 17. So, you know, or more. Um, but yeah, this is a game that they can win. I just, I, I think the Conley thing really, really hurts them in this type, in this type of game against a team that wants to be physical. Yeah. And I, and I think that with Conley going down, Sam Howell's ability to play and be healthy is gigantic in this game because Carolina's going to have to score some points against NC State. Mac, like you mentioned, Buck, Max had a way of getting them ready to play the in state teams. And they've certainly had their way with NC State the last couple of years. Um, of course, we remember two years ago and then last year in Keenan Stadium. So it's going to be insane over there. It's what it's all about as far as uh, rivalry games and, and all. But we'll talk more about it next weekend on the day after the NC State edition. But that's been Buck Sanders. I've been your host, Tommy Ashley. Jason Staples have joined me. I appreciate it, boys. This has been fun. we got two left. Let's take them out on a high note. We're done today. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Tommy.